0: This is the Kane's Corner Podcast with host Adam Gold, part of the Capital Broadcasting Podcast Network. Now here's the host of the Kane's Corner Podcast,
1: Adam Gold. Hey, it's Adam Gold, and welcome to the Kane's Corner Podcast. Hope you enjoyed our last episode with Brett Pesci. Hope to bring you more players uh, and other dignitaries in the near future. As we uh, kind of wait all of this out, as a uh, point of news today, the National Hockey League uh, had a meeting, I guess, and Gary Bettman is not 100% sure that they're going to be able to complete the season, which I think is the responsible thing for him to say. And he went on to say, look, uh, none, of our, none of the sports leagues have any idea what's going to happen. Uh, they're probably preparing for all, all scenarios, which may include... <laughs> the return of the season at some point who knows um kind of all depends on how good a job we do with the social distancing and staying at home and blah 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 uh to that end uh we'll have a discussion today with the uh the news and observer columnist editor luke decock who's covered the hurricanes for a long long time uh he and i are friends and we'll cover as much ground as we can. We will deal with social distancing. We'll deal with the uh, the pandemic and how it's impacted sports, obviously. Um, we'll talk about the time of the year. We'll talk about the playoffs a year ago. Uh, we'll even you know, delve a little bit into the future and how this team is set up for uh, the years to come. And I think it's uh, pretty... Self-explanatory, if you will. If you're a Hurricanes fans, uh, if you're a Hurricanes fan, you like the future. And uh, the future likely would have been another playoff spot this year, second uh, second straight year, and the first time since 2002 they would have made the playoffs in successive seasons. I believe they would have made the playoffs. No idea if they would have done any damage in them, but I think they would have made it in. And all you all you ask for is a shot. They got a shot last year uh, as the first wild card, made it to the conference finals this year. I think would have been the first wild card again uh, and likely would have had another shot at Washington and maybe it would have gone the same way. I don't hate the matchup against Washington. I don't think Washington's goaltending in Braden Holtby is all that great. And uh, Carolina could have matched him in that department possibly again. And maybe Carolina would have, advanced one more time who knows it's all speculative uh but this is the time of the year where we should have been dealing with playoffs matter of fact as this was recorded on tuesday april 7th tomorrow likely would have been the first day of the playoffs the stanley cup playoffs Uh, as it stands now we are probably even in best case scenario six weeks away from the season resuming in some way, shape or form, uh, real quick. If they were to resume the regular season, if they could get to a completion and we're in a minimum of two months away from that. So let's just say that they were able to resume the season, uh, maybe with no fans in the stands, which is, uh, a different conversation altogether. And we'll talk about that with, uh, with Luke to um, They have to figure out what the best way is to determine who the playoff teams are. You can't simply go points. Some teams have played more than others, more games than others, so you can't just do that. Uh, Is it even fair to do point percentage? I'm not even sure it's fair to do point percentage. To be honest, you'd have to look at games remaining against competition. Maybe some teams have played a more difficult schedule. Uh, So my guess is that there would have been some expanded playoff field uh, and that brings with it its own set of circumstances. Anyway, uh, that's just uh, goofing around at this point. So we'll bring you our conversation with Luke Tukoc, Uh And uh, again, we covered a, a lot of ground. And uh, last time I saw Luke, it was at the ACC tournament in Greensboro before they shut it down. And we'll start with uh, what's he been doing since. So Luke Tacock how are you socially distancing from the hurricanes?
0: Uh, the same The same way I'm socially distancing from everybody. Uh, you know, it's funny, my route hasn't changed a ton. I, I, I work from home anyway. And, you know, what's missing is the practices and the press conferences and the games and normally March into April and potentially into May be my busiest months of the year. And I was rarely be home. And so I'm always home, but uh, it, it has, it hasn't been a huge change sort of in my getting up and going about my business routine. Uh, the big changes has really been just the lack of things to cover, but right. you know, we've obviously, we've obviously stayed busy. Um, I'm surprised actually going back to sort of the, the Thursday of the ACC tournament, when everything shut down, uh, how much sports news there has been. Um, and that's without even getting into the Panthers, who seem to be, you know, single-handedly supporting about a third of the sports media in the state of North Carolina by doing something pretty much every day. Um, and the Hurricanes, you know, in their own way, have contributed as well. But, uh, yeah, it's it's it feels weird. Uh, you know, this is not a month, typically, uh, March and April, where I would be doing a ton of hockey way anyway because... You know, ACC tournament, to NCAA mm-hmm. tournament, the to Final Four. I would have flown back from Atlanta today. Um, and then jumped right back into hockey like, like we did last year and and, uh, and gotten into the, the postseason and ran that as long as it goes. Uh, so, yeah, you know, it's been different. Uh, there's no question, but I think everybody probably feels that way, as do you.
1: Yeah, you know, it's, it's – there's so much weird. Not, and it, I, I want to have a conversation about um, essentially what we are – what some people and what the leagues, if you think about it, are 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 going to demand of athletes over the next maybe not within the next two months, but beyond that, um and some of the ridiculous, in my opinion, um requirements they're gonna put on them. But we'll get to that in a minute. Sure. Yeah. Because uh, according to our friends at the, uh, and uh, I'm not saying that you're friends and I'm using the word friends loosely, um, at the athletic, the hurricanes would have made the playoffs essentially on the number Dom decision of the athletic. They did their, uh, whole bunch of uh, whole bunch of things. And, uh, they put the, uh, they the hurricanes beat the Bruins in the final day of the season. That was been kind of therapeutic, uh, to kind of follow them. I actually have more enjoyed the, the canes themselves doing the EA, NHL 19 um, actually playing the games out on the video game. Of course, Carolina kicked everybody's ass uh, on the video game because I think the, uh, they, they said it that way. Um, but I do think that we would have had a playoff series. And I'm, I kind of feel, I mean, it's a bummer that this, this would have been the first time since 2002 the Hurricanes made the playoffs in successive seasons. Yeah. And I kind of feel cheated that we didn't get that.
0: There's no doubt in my mind, regardless of, you know, whatever projections people are doing, the way that they had started playing when things shut down, um, that they were going to make the playoffs. You know, that, that they were just, it seemed like after a season where they took so long to find any kind of real groove and never really recaptured the identity that they'd had last year, you know, even when they were playing well, it wasn't the same. You and I both know that. Right. That it felt like in late February into early March, that was kind of starting to happen uh, a little bit, at least in a promising way. And certainly the results were there at that point. So it did feel like things had started to move in the direction that everyone kind of had been waiting, uh, you know, three, four months for them to move. And And obviously there's a lot of moving parts there and, you know, Justin Williams coming back and having to learn to play without Hamilton and without Pesci all mm-hmm. those things. I mean, there's, there's so many moving parts there, but it did feel going into that Jersey game that never happened, uh, that, that things were moving in the right direction. So there was no doubt in my mind, you know, as of Wednesday, March 11th, whatever it was that the hurt, you know, and I was planning mentally for, you know, what was going to happen after the final four and into the first round of the playoffs, which you know, as you pointed out, is not something we've we've had around here in a while, um, and I think you know it, it, they were in the position that most teams that are a seven or eight seed are going to be in. Is is if your goalie gets hot, you know, you've got a chance to mm-hmm. to do some damage, and it certainly felt like they would put themselves in a position where, you know, if they could get going, you know, maybe get Dougie back, maybe not. Um, that things were starting to move in their direction for the first time in a while. And of course then, you know, all of life shuts down. And next thing you know, they've got two people self quarantined on the plane on their way home. So uh, <laughs> it's, you know, it, obviously the, the the tiny violins are not playing for the hurricanes here. It's a much bigger problem, but uh, yeah, I, I I think those projections are probably pretty indicative of the way that I felt things were headed. Um, and yeah, it, it does feel like we've been deprived something in part because you know, when you, when you go 10 years without covering a playoff series, and then you cover three in one year and they have all of the, the drama. I mean, maybe not the Islanders series, but, but certainly the Capitol series and the Bruins series had all the drama and bile mm-hmm. and, um, you know, everything that you expect, the kind of stuff that lingers the next year and next years in some cases, uh, you know, that, that, you know, you're kind of like, Oh yeah, this is what I remember. And, and, you know, I mean, this, this job, in its all of its forms, whether it's writing or TV or radio, it can be a grind at times, and and that can be a long grind. Going from, you know, five weeks of basketball where you're on the road and mm-hmm. going right into a playoff series, but but it it is kind of why you do this, and you do enjoy that adrenaline. And last year, I mean, I, I people in the media know this, but I came out of the Final Four with a pinched nerve in my neck that I couldn't fly, um, I couldn't do anything, and I was still, you know. We were driving up to D.C. for games one and two and, and game five. And then by the time we had to fly up for game seven, because we didn't know if we'd have to go straight to New York or not. Right. Um, I was I was kind of in a position where I could actually stand upright. Uh, but, you know, it was one of the worst times of my life health wise. And you just kind of have to put that aside, whether you're at the Final Four or, or the Hurricanes Capital Series and just dig in and do it because, you know, it doesn't get any bigger than that. I, I remember the 2011 All-Star game. Um, I had maybe the worst flu I've ever had in my mm. life, um, and and you know I was writing four stories a day, covering everything, and just sort of, you know, it was like for me it was like the Jordan flu game where you were just going to power through it. I probably looked like friendly, so you were hungover. No, it was it was legit, <laughs> and I, I went to the I went to the the big. Gala NHL banquet at the convention center. Right. Probably, probably gave the flu to half of the NHL, um, (laughs) that night. But, uh, you know, I mean, I was, I was, there were certain times during that weekend where I felt absolutely on about 1% and, uh, and probably looked like Hoiberg, but, uh, so yeah, so, you know, you do, you do feel deprived of sort of something that like, let's face it, the the regular season, it's the same for us as it is is for fans, the regular season, an 82 game, regular season plus preseason plus training camp. It drags on. Whew.
1: Yeah, so no, he, there's no question. So, uh, first of all, good uh, good shot at Fred Hoiberg there, Nebraska basketball Not coach. a shot.
0: I wrote about it. You can read my column <laughs> about Bobby Lutz sitting next to Fred Hoiberg on the bench where it looked like he was dying of coronavirus, <laughs> even though he didn't have it. I And that, you know, now this is not a hockey conversation, but to me, that happening that Wednesday night after Rudy Gobert tested positive mm-hmm. positive in the NBA shutdown. down that I wrote this, it felt like the opening scenes of like a Michael Crichton disaster movie where here's like the guy, like here's where it gets real with Hoyberg right. you know, wiping his forehead and hunched over on the bench. And then the big 10 pulls him off the bench and they cu- quarantine the team in the locker room. It just felt like the beginning of outbreak or something.
1: All right. So I don't I'm, by the way, Luke Tacock of the news and observer is here uh, on the uh, Canes corner podcast. So I don't know if it, what it says about our relationship or your ability to play through pain I had no clue that you had a pinched nerve and you were in such physical duress. Uh, otherwise, as a as as a uh, as a friend, I would have expressed my own concern uh, for you. Um, but let's set that aside for a second. Yeah, you gotta, I'm, you I'm gotta con- play hurt, Adam. I understand.
0: This boils down to yeah. You gotta I, play I'm,
1: hurt. I'm concerned in retrospect now, <laughs> uh, but going back to uh, to that Boston series, and there's two things about it. Uh, one, and we could talk about this at some point or not, I did find the deliciousness of uh, the recent broadcaster, local broadcaster rankings, with John Forslund and Trip Tracy being number one, and Jack Edwards and Andy Brickley being number 31, uh, to be just absolutely fantastic, because uh, uh, honestly... You can't be 32nd, although you should be eligible if you're Jack Edwards. And this is nothing against Andy Brickley, who I happen to like. Yeah, yeah. No, um, is great. Unfortunately That's for Andy Brickley. Um, but I wonder what, you know, We we have done a lot of what-ifs over the last two or three weeks. Man, if they had just held the lead in game one, because I thought that was the game where they were better than Boston.
0: Yeah, no, I agree completely that they let the I, the and I think I wrote this after Game One that they basically had let the series slip away. Right. Um, I'm not sure I wrote the series, but they definitely let Game One slip through their fingers. Uh, there's no question about that. Um, yeah, I agree completely. They, I, uh, I, I want to go back now and and look up my column because I feel like I could just you know cite some parts of that because I think we all walked away feeling that way. Yeah. That oh, if they play like this, this is going to be a series like. You go back to like the Buffalo series in 06, there were games where Buffalo outplayed them and lost, there were games where they mm-hmm. outplayed, you know, you know, you, you, that's part of the rhythm of a playoff series and you lose the first game on the road, it's usually not a huge deal if you play well because you say, "Okay, we can get back on the horse, you know, we play like that, we'll be fine." What was weird, and part of it was goaltending. there's no question about it. What was weird was the Hurricanes' complete and utter inability to get back to that game right in the next in the rest of the series. Because the game they played in game 1 it might not have won them the series, but it was they—they they, they were going to not get swept mm-hmm. playing like that four games, and and yeah, I, it was such a strange drop off. And I think what happens is, and looking back, and and maybe this is twenty twenty hindsight, which is fair. When you when you've been grinding as hard as they had, and they you know things had come easy for them against the Islanders, and then you hit that little bump in the road. Against the Bruins in Game One, where you feel like you played well enough to win and didn't, you know maybe that's the point where the tank is just empty, um, especially without Van Riemsdyk, who had been so good um, in, against the Capitals and then into the Islanders series before he gets hurt. Like he, he was a revelation, and people I think forget that because it, it he, so much gets lost in the uh, three rounds of the playoffs. But mm-hmm. Van Reemstyke was terrific, yeah, um, especially at a time where where quite frankly Dougie Hamilton was not playing particularly well.
1: No, people forget um, you know, that. People forget that
0: capital series. Yeah.
1: Falk and Pesci were their best defensive pair in the first two rounds of the playoffs. I mean, maybe for the entirety of the playoffs, that sure. th- that pairing was their best defensive pair because Dougie was in some ways, not in some ways, it was kind of a liability, and yeah. it just wasn't his finest moment. Now, the Dougie Hamilton we had seen uh, this year until the injury in Columbus was a complete different player, a 180 from, uh, from those days. So I'm not, I'm not, I'm just saying that at that point, Hamilton was not great, but you're right. Van Reams, until the injury, um, that he suffered, in, uh, he was absolutely tremendous.
0: Yeah. Yeah. All right, and I'll, you know, the, 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 the play he gets hurt on, you know, is just one of those, it's not, it not his fault. It's just one of those errors where, you know, Cal Clutterbuck gets a run right. from the blue line and no one picks him up. And that, Little things like that, when coaches, you know, talk about the details and the little things, not slowing him down, not getting in his way, um, you know, knocked out probably their third best defenseman at that point, and then you know you don't have him against the Bruins, and and everything's you know steamrolls on you, so it all adds up, and uh, you know I think that when you look at all those little things adding up, that's why playing so well in Game One against the Bruins and coming away with nothing just kind of stuck. I mean they even stole that one. Yeah, they, you know, they 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 didn't steal games two, three, or four. No.
1: They 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 yeah, could have stolen that one. I actually think the Islanders probably felt that way against the Hurricanes. Uh they probably outplayed Carolina in game one of their of that series as yeah, well. But Carolina yeah. ended up uh ended up winning it. And then at that point, uh I think the Hurricanes just knew that they were going to win uh that series and they just had a mental edge over the islanders let me ask you about uh about this this is a serious matter i want to get to and we don't have to spend a lot of time on it uh but uh chip alexander wrote about it a couple of weeks ago uh about the economics of what is happening based on the pandemic uh and no business uh, coming into the arena, concerts canceled. Any other events canceled. No games, obviously. Um, and that chip wrote, which, as it turns out, uh, pretty accurate piece regarding the team. Essentially, although I don't know that he mentioned that the team would let the government pay for uh, the employees, although the team will make up whatever difference, and would make uh, you know loans available for uh, for any gap, and they would continue on, uh, you know, benefits and things like that. But Chip took a, took a lot of heat for, you know, writing a piece that turned out to be right. Yeah.
0: And, and part of that was, you know, what, as we talked about on your show a couple of days after that, you know, when, when we, we had the email they sent to employees, right. And the email was pretty clear. Use up your vacation. If you don't have vacation, it's unpaid time off. And here are instructions for applying for unemployment. Right. And, you know, then they went on. You know, we tried, as you and I talked about, we tried several times to get anyone from the franchise to talk. They were aware it was coming, um, you know, and and when it when that story broke, they were really unhappy. And because they said, well, either they backtracked or it was a very poorly written email, but they were out spinning almost immediately. Mm -hmm. Um, and they, you know, accused us of getting it wrong when the reality is we quoted the email, which was correct. So, it, you know, it, 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 it's disappointing that they wouldn't, I, I want to be careful when I say here, <laughs> I, I'll, I'll, I'll say this, what we wrote is what's turned out to happen. Employees are now furloughed with benefits yeah, and they're allowed to apply for the government relief, um, for Corona COVID furloughed employees. Um, you know, uh, they, the hurricanes said after in the email saying employees without vacation would be given unpaid time off. They said, no, no, we'll take care of those, whatever it was, five or six employees. Um, you know, that certainly wasn't an email. If, as I told you on the air, if that, if our story meant five or six people got a paycheck that week who weren't going to get a paycheck, you know, then I feel pretty yeah. good about that. And I'm a little dis, you know disappointed, I guess, in that the hurricanes, um, so assiduously jumped out and started spinning and accusing us of getting it wrong when they still haven't been able to tell us what we got wrong.
1: No, no, again, as, as I said, ultimately you guys got it right. And I mean, and, and I followed that up with my own story and and my conversation with Tom Dundon, the owner, uh, ultimately, uh, they were going to make up whatever difference the government didn't cover. Um, so, uh, the, all the people in what 55% 55% of their full-time employees, which is roughly 80 people, I guess, um, will be, uh, th- everybody will get whatever monies they were going to earn, they will get that. Uh, who knows how long that's going to go on for, uh, because yeah. we don't know what, ultimately, how long this is going to last. I mean, if, if they can't have uh, concerts and other events in the arena until September, uh, then that might change. I don't know the answer to that. And Tom Dundon also allowed that he didn't know the answer to that. Uh, but ultimately, um, those people for right now will get will, will get their money. Uh, it'll just come from a different source. Uh, but again, as a furloughed employee, as so many people in the newspaper industry know, uh, furloughed employees are main employees, so you stay on benefits. And in this time, uh, the most appropriate. I want to move on. I want to get a couple of more things before uh, before I have to say goodbye to you. Um, and this is where I, I I have a hard time balancing the the need for optimism and things that will make us happy, like games, uh, and Sports. then the, yeah. the right then the realism of man. We are living in a time where people are dying. This is not the flu. Uh, this is way worse, more deadly. There is no vaccine. We don't know of a cure at this point, in spite of what people uh, are hoping for. We don't know that we have a cure. So the NHL is talking about uh, different locales in North <laughs> Dakota. The NBA was talking about bringing everybody to Orlando. Major League Baseball says we can bring everybody to Arizona. The PGA Tour is going to play in June without fans. Are we ju- are, are, athletes, are they just carbon life forms or are they actual people?
0: Yeah. You know, it's like, I can't remember which NFL owner said it back in the sixties. We're the ranchers and they're the cattle. Right. Um, you know, it's always been the attitude in pro sports and, you know, I, I, think Ray Rado actually wrote a really good column about this today, about how ludicrous this stuff is and this sort of panic among pro sports leagues to figure out some way to start making money, and it's not just pro sports leagues. I mean, like Dana White now has this private island. In the <laughs> UFC. It's right. like a combination of, of Lord of the Flies and Hunger Games and um, the most dangerous game where he's going <laughs> to have, you know, death matches on this island. Um, it's ludicrous because all it takes is one positive test to blow any of these scenarios apart. Right. You know, you want to quarantine all of Major League Baseball in Phoenix. Um, and one guy tests positive, and, you know, you got to shut it down. You want to send, you know, a quarter of the NHL, you know, send the you know, four teams to grand forks that play the first two rounds of the playoffs. Um, you know, all it takes is one positive test and the whole right. thing's done. And, and why would you, I, I just, I, I think it's an attempt, you know, like they're like the sports leagues call with the president, it's an attempt to kind of generate some sort of hope or optimism, but just from a, a purely practical uh you know just just the the reality of it is we may not have college football or the nfl this fall right because you've got to either have a vaccine or a treatment before you start putting groups of people together and we don't we just don't have either right now uh it's and that's hard for people to understand it's not an easy thing for people to internalize that these great unknowns in our lives. Now, if you think about it for most of us who are anywhere between, you know, short of sort of the world war II generation, maybe even, you know, maybe the generation in my parents' generation, the, the sort of the late the boomers and Vietnam generation, there haven't been many uncertainties in our lives. You know, nine 11 for sure. Mm-hmm. That was something that disturbed all of the things that we'd taken for granted, you know, an attack on American soil. But for right. the most part, you know we've been able to kind of count on what life is going to be like, and we're not there now. And I was talking with Gene Hooks last week. This is not hockey at all, but Gene Hooks is the 91 year old former athletic director at Wake Forest. Oh,
1: right. Yes,
0: and uh, he's he's still very sharp and remembers playing against baseball against George H.W. Bush in 1946 uh, or 1947. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know he remembers Arnold Palmer going to going to. To, to wake with Arnold Palmer, all that, all that stuff. And I'd asked, he said, yeah, I'm just here in my, my rest home in wake forest or Winston Salem, whatever he called it is. I think he might even called it an old folks home, <laughs> um, locked, locked in my room. Um, you know, just kind of keeping busy looking out the window at the garden. And, and I said, you know, have you is what's this like for you? He's like, I, this is like nothing in my life except maybe the war. And nice. it's crazy to think, that we're dealing with something on a scale of of what, you know, sort of our grandparents my grandparents' generation yeah. went through in World War II. So the idea that we're gonna all play hockey in Grand Forks in Manchester, New Hampshire, and Saskatoon, or the idea that the NBA is gonna be able to get sixteen teams into Las Vegas and and do things that way. I mean, I think it's nice to talk about this stuff, but the reality is, and college college athletics people understand this better than anyone right now, because they can't really function without football, and right. they're all trying to do the numbers without football. And people are saying now we can't do football without fans. If it's not safe for the fans, how is it safe for the players? And the reality is that's true in pro sports as well. Yeah,
1: yeah. The um, th- this this whole thing has disturbed me. Major League Baseball actually did say that even if somebody tests positive, they would just take that player out. They're going to have expanded rosters, as though. And this further cemented my point that. Clearly these players are not humans. Uh, they are simply pieces on a chessboard. No, uh, so Gundy. I lost my queen yeah, but Gundy I still today. have a bishop.
0: Mike Gundy today. This, not Mike Gundy is not where I would go for insightful analysis of Probably the condition. He's saying, "Well, these kids are all 17, 18, 19, 20, 21. Let's get them all sick and then we can play football." Oh, good. Good, so I, you know, I mm. we we have a, a bit of a dysfunction in this country at times with how we approach sports. There's there's no question about it. Uh, but that, to me, was, was the, an exponential version of it.
1: Yeah, look, I don't think we're going to play games until it's legitimately safe. I, I Honestly, it's when we have a treatment for it or when we have widespread available testing, that's when... Yeah. Any of these strange convoluted concepts of continuation or starting a season, when those two things happen, a treatment and widespread testing, when those two things are in place, I think we can come back and play team sports. Uh, Golf might be a little bit different because if we're not going to have fans, uh, you can do this with minimal people and golf courses, at least here in North Carolina, have been deemed essential. Uh, <laughs> activity cause you could still play I mean, golf. Yeah. It's really and, amazing. And horse
0: racing is, is still going in a lot of places because you have, the, the people are going to have to take care of the horses either way. Right. Right. Like, you can't just leave the horses in the barns. Like there's going to be people. So if you can get by with that skeleton crew and just add sort of trainers and jockeys, cause you're going to have grooms and vets and whatever there anyway. Um, you know, Gulf Stream's running, a bunch of, a bunch of parks are running because they basically are going to have those people there anyway.
1: And we know so that they don't really care about the up. horses anyway.
0: Well, I would, I would, I would not put it that way necessarily, but you know, the horses are probably safer than the humans in this particular case. It's uh, the, one given, of the rare you know,
1: times the, the, where the horses are safer than humans,
0: maybe the only time. Yeah. <laughs> All
1: right. One more thing. Uh, and then we'll go, it's, it's one of folded back into the hurricanes. Uh, yeah, at some keep,
0: point we should get yeah. back to talking about.
1: Well, because we started talking about, we thought that this team would get would get to it. Uh, And it looked like they had, and Morgan Geeky had come up, and I don't think Vinny Trocek was any revelation with how great he had been playing, but it did give Rod Brindamore a right-handed center, which he had been dying for, Uh, and then Geeky came up and just lit the world on fire for two games, even though he wasn't playing all that much. He was very effective, another right-handed center, and he clearly knows how to play. And then you throw in the fact that Justin Williams uh, became their best forward again, like he did last February and March, uh, as they were making that run, um, I do think that the future does appear to be very bright. We were starting to see uh, you know, a much more consistently good two-way Sebastian Aho and Svechnikov, who wasn't great, but you know uh, we all knew we all know what he is ultimately going to become, and um, the future looks awfully good. And if Hamilton comes back from the injury, and Pesci comes back from his injury. I mean, you gotta love what their uh, what their their at least their the next three or four years of their future before the rent really comes due on Slavin and Pesci and some others.
0: Yeah, and, and one of the things you know, there, there's no guarantees, and obviously that you could see that a little bit this year, where everyone after last year just assumed that they would make the playoffs. Um, And it hasn't been a smooth path or it wasn't a smooth path to the point where they ended the season, presumably, Uh, you know, it was a, it was a grind and it was a struggle to get back to where they were last year. But, you know, when you look at the salary cap and the age of some of these players and the, you know, the, the ceiling for some of them is still pretty high. Um, You know, the, 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 you know, the defense in particular, um, if those guys can, can get healthy and come back and play well. You know, it's a team that is structured not for the short term, but for the long term, at least as you point out, until the long term, uh, you know, gets into past some of these contracts that have been signed. But it's it's a team that's built, you know, to compete in more than one year. I think the one exception is is goaltending. I think there's you know, you can kind of keep patching the roof there. But at some point, if you're going to be a true contender, you do need to have someone who you trust. Um, they don't have to be, you know, they don't have to be Patrick Watt, but you, it you, it has to be someone that you really trust and you're confident giving the giving the start, even if they're not playing particularly well, because you know that they they're they're going to they're going to show up and do it. And I don't think I don't think they've been there even when when Mac was at his best last year. There was always that uncertainty. Um, so but that's 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 kind of the one thing that's missing. But the rest of it, you know, the way the forwards are structured, you know, I, I don't know that geeky. He's going to be an NHL regular, but I think he's a really smart player with really good hands mm-hmm. um, who, if he can upgrade his skating a little bit, you know, becomes a, a real asset. But even if he doesn't, he's already shown he's the kind of guy who can come up for a few games and contribute. And you need those guys, too. Yeah. You know, not everybody has to be, uh, you know, a Sebastian Ajo. I mean, you need you need that full roster. And, and whether Geeky turns out to be a, a, a good player or a great player or just kind of what he is, that's still someone, you know, a, a good player to have. Um, and, you know, I, I think definitely the book is still open on Trocek um, for the long term, but he certainly filled a need for this team. And, and, you know, you want to compare to where they were 14 months ago with kind of Victor Rask in that position. Mm. It's a it's an upgrade. So, you know, by any standard. Uh, so, you know, I, I, yeah, it's 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 a team that wasn't built for last year. It isn't built for this year. It may not even really be built for next year. Um, it's built for this year and next year or the year after that, and maybe the year after that. And then you got to step back and reassess a little,
1: little but
0: you know, that's in a, in a, in a cap league, you know, that's kind of the way you have to do it is, is build in spurts. And, and, you know, I think one thing that people overlook, uh, is, you know, they went from, you know, staying pretty well below the cap to, you know, this is going to be a cap team, um, for the foreseeable future. And that's, I think one reason, quite frankly, why they've been more competitive.
1: And, and the, the truth is, is that uh, there's still another year of Andre Svechnikov at his entry-level contract, even, and I anticipate them signing him to a long-term contract this summer, or whenever this season comes to an end. Uh, I do think that they will try to get him done uh, this summer, because Tom Dundon learned his lesson with why he, when not doing that with Sebastian Ajo the previous summer. Uh, and we're still two years away from... Uh, Marty Natchez needing to be taken care of. Um, look, I, I think they're ultimately going to be in pretty good cap shape. I assume that they'll make some moves to kind of shed some money, uh, whether it's Jake Gardner or Nino Niederreiter, uh, if they mm-hmm. can find the right deal, or Ryan Dezingle again. Who, who knows? Um, but I think they'll they'll figure out a way to you know, to kind of save some money and maybe add a couple of pieces that they need to players who play with a little bit more physicality. They're still a little soft uh, around the middle, if you will, um, because they have to replace the the grinding attitude, believe it or not, that Justin Williams gives them.
0: He's got edge is what he has. And that's, honestly, if you go back to the Capital Series last year, you could see that this was a team that could beat the Capitals in a seven-game series if everything went right, but right. was was outmanned on that front and needed help there, and they didn't really address it. Um, but yeah, this team has a very skilled core, but it really lacks those players who, and you know, I think Jordan Martinuk did a little of that before his his injuries.
1: Mm-hmm. Um,
0: I don't know that that's necessarily kind of his long-term whatever, but it, it, there is kind of a, a, a crying need for, you know, it doesn't have to be a $6 million guy, no but, but somebody who, who, you know, it, it, it's not fighting anymore. It's not even necessarily hitting really hard anymore, but just that little edge, a little mental toughness, um, and get under the other guy's skin. And however you do that, whether it's pounding guys into the glass or whatever, you know, they just need a little more of that to balance out the skill.
1: If, if, Warren Fogle would just lean into his accidental goonery, then that would be uh, that would be a part of it. Because I mean, I don't think he realizes that that people around the league thinks think he's a dirty player. I think he's more uh, unaware of his surroundings than anything else. But if he leaned into it, it would be uh, he might even be more effective. Uh, and in just that, has
0: in absolutely, yeah, I agree completely. And he just has absolutely the the 100% wrong personality for that, which makes, (laughs) which is the right personality for a lot of other things in life. um, But not for being, you know, he's just so unbelievably miscast as a heel um, that it just doesn't work for him, even though that, you know, the capitals certainly look at him that way and some other teams too. Uh, But yeah, no, I agree completely that that's, that's definitely an area, you know, and and the question is, you know, if you're going to build a team as heavily analytically as the hurricanes typically have, You know, are there guys out there, and I don't know that there are who can do that and (laughs) show and show up well, right? You know, numerically, analytically. I mean, I'm I'm sure there are, but maybe they're not at a price you can afford. And and then how do you quantify that, right? You know, because it's not hits and it's not. Yeah, it's it's a tougher thing to quantify, and I think that's tough to fit into a team that's that's uh, you know heavily analytical in the way they build things. And that's not a criticism by in any stretch of analytics. Um, I'm not, I'm not one of those people at all. I'm just saying it's not something that's necessarily measurable. No. And then you kind of find yourself maybe going against some of the precepts you've used to build the
1: team that you yeah, have. Yeah. There's n- there's no column for agitation, uh, where you get at the bottom of it, there's a number. There's just, there's just no way to quantify that. Um, but that's where, that's where there you, you need different voices. Uh, and I think that's where Rod Brindamore kind of speaks in that this is a type of player that we need, uh, a player that doesn't necessarily compile a lot of points or uh, win the Corsi or Fenwick. Uh, although those, gen- the, if if you do the, do it the right way, you probably will. Uh, but that those players uh, just make it easier for those the other players to uh, to do that. All right, so are we going to do this again soon?
0: Absolutely. I mean, uh, I don't know that we'll have that much more to talk about.
1: Well, we'll figure it out. I love it. Hope you enjoyed the Kane's Corner podcast. I'm Adam Gold. We'll be back next week, maybe sooner, depending on who shows up uh, in my conversation queue. And uh, who knows, maybe we'll do a mailbag uh, before uh, before too long. None of us want the offseason to start now, but... I think we all have to prepare for the reality that the regular season is probably over. The playoffs will not be uh, completed in any way. And we're into a longer off season than we as fans deserve. And those, uh, the players deserve. The players deserve better too. Uh, So hope everyone is uh, doing well, washing your hands, hand sanitizing, uh, staying at home, social distancing, all of that.